With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Gluten-Free Guide podcast with your hosts, Vanessa Weisbrod and Emily Friedner. Welcome to the Gluten-Free Guide podcast. I'm Vanessa Weisbrod coming to you from the Celiac Disease Program at Children's National Health System. I want to start out by saying a huge thank you to the Walter and Jean Boke Global Autoimmune Institute for their ongoing support and partnership to make this podcast possible. Today we're talking about a topic that I find absolutely fascinating, comparing the nutritional value of gluten-containing products with the gluten-free alternative products. I hear all the time about how companies are loading their gluten-free products with added fats and sugars to make them taste better and have a better texture. But is this true? We've brought in an expert to help us understand this better, Pam Curitan from the University of Maryland Celiac Disease Program. She's a longtime expert in the field, and I know she's going to have some great information to share with all of our listeners. So without further ado, I'm going to toss it over to Pam and our reporter, Ellen Wilcox, in the field. Take it away. Ms. Curitan, we're so happy you could join us today. I have some questions for you about gluten-free diets. They sure seem to be pretty popular with a lot of people today. So what can you tell us about that? And should everyone be following a gluten-free diet? So thank you for for having me. Uh, The first thing I want to point out emphatically, and the most important part of this whole talk that we're going to have, is no one should start a gluten-free diet unless they've been properly tested. Uh, It is a common problem we see in our clinic, and it's very unfortunate because someone will start the gluten-free diet, feel really well, then they want to know if they have celiac disease or gluten intolerance. I can't tell them that while they're on the diet. So if someone is thinking that for health reasons that they don't feel well, they hear about the gluten-free diet making you feel better, don't try it until you have been properly tested for it. The the first step is just a simple screening blood test. It's, It's, you know, that's the first place to start. Talk to your doctor, describe your symptoms, and be tested. So once that is done, then somebody who may feel that they would benefit from a gluten-free diet certainly can give it a try. However, um, we only recommend it in certain cases. It's only meant for people with celiac disease, known uh, non-celiac gluten sensitivity, or an allergy. And this is a very small part of the population, but it is of no benefit to healthy, normal population. There's no reason to go gluten-free. Oh, thank you for that. How does the nutritional content of a gluten-free product compare with its gluten-containing counterpart? You know, wheat does many wonderful things, and that gluten that we have to avoid is a very useful, wonderful thing to have in product. 
it's inexpensive and it does wonderful things to give you that crisp um, crust on, and softness in a French bread. So it does wonderful things. Now, when you take that away from a product, we have to replace it with other things. So those other products uh, don't have the gluten, so we have to mimic them. So sometimes they use extra fat, sometimes they use extra sugar, uh, the process is different. So it, they can be more uh, calorically dense in their nature. The other significant di difference may be in our wheat-based product that are highly processed, they have to be fortified and enriched. So in other words, B vitamins, folate, and iron are added to the product because they're lost during the um, manufacturing process. Gluten-free items often are not, so they are not required to fortify or enrich. So they can be lower in those B vitamin, folate, and iron categories, so need to be careful about that. Thank you. You mentioned that gluten-free products may have more sugar and fat. What is it about those ingredients that helps the processing or the baking? So again, you're looking for taste and texture. I mean, that's why we eat the foods that we want. So uh, it doesn't matter if it's the most nutritious food in the world, but if it tastes terrible, we're not going to eat it. So we have to, to make it palatable. Over the years, I've been doing this for 23 years, and when I first started, our joke was always we weren't quite sure if you should eat the product or the box that it came in because it was so nasty. So initially, gluten-free breads were crumbly, they were dry, hard as a brick, so again, very unpalatable. So manufacturers and home bakers started working on ways to achieve, like I said, what that gluten can do. How do you get that to rise? How do you get it to be moist? How do you get it to stick together? So they rely on the other ingredients to do so. So then we found that for a while, the taste was getting much better, but at the expense of those other ingredients being added to this. Today, we're looking, now manufacturers have said, okay, we've got the taste part down because we do have delicious gluten-free foods. So we've got the taste part down, but now the public is saying, wait a minute, let's look at the nutritional co composition of this. So now the challenge to manufacturers is to make them not only gluten-free, but to make them um, a little uh, a little healthier or have more added benefit other than just being gluten-free. So I think manufacturers are working on that piece um, and I think better products um, will be available, nutritionally speaking. That's great. I think I've seen some of them out in the market recently too, and I know I try to try to look for that as well. When you are diagnosed with celiac disease, you know somebody's first thought is just to replace all the things they love that they can't have, like you know bread and pasta and cookies and pizza and donuts. Uh, but is this a wise thing to do? So the, the benefit of seeing a knowledgeable dietitian is I have to work with patients where they're at, and I have to work with you to make major dietary changes, because this is a huge component. So I have to start with where you're at. If you're a person who eats a lot of those products to simply say to you, okay, you're not going to eat those anymore, um, it's going to be unrealistic. But after they've had a chance to see that there are gluten-free products on the market, that they're not going to be deprived of their cookies, cakes, pies, candy, and initially, you know, they'll they'll overdo in those types of things because, oh, now I found these in gluten-free. Then after follow-up and say, let's, you know, perhaps they've had too much weight gain, and then they realize, well, wow, I'm gaining weight. Why am I gaining all this weight? Now they're open and ready to talk about how we can make 
that gluten-free diet more healthy. If they're already eating healthy foods and eating a wide variety of those types of things, then we continue to, to work on that. But again, every patient has their own pace and their own way of accepting. So really these have to be done individually and have to work towards getting to that healthier balance. Well, I guess that's really the wonderful benefit of working with a dietitian who's knowledgeable about celiac disease. Absolutely, absolutely. It's so imperative that, that you get that, that information. What advice do you have for our listeners today, maybe who've been newly diagnosed or have a family member who's been newly diagnosed, about how to manage getting that balanced gluten-free meal? Well, one of the things that, you know, again, I would tell that patient is the same that I would tell any patient or any uh, a healthy American. We all need to eat more fruits and vegetables. We all need to uh, include uh, lean sources of protein. We should, should have, um, uh, again, a healthy selection from the, the dairy products that, that are available. Um, whole grains, you know, eat, whether they're in the gluten-free realm or if you don't have celiac disease, whole grains are essential. So I would really encourage more natural whole grain uh, type, whole food type of diet for anybody, not just somebody for celiac disease. Again, it'll also help a great deal with cost. The cost of gluten-free foods can be up to five times more expensive than their wheat counterpart because of the ingredients that they have to put in there to, to equate uh, what's in the wheat product. So cost is a significant factor to many families. So again, I would encourage instead of gluten-free cookies or gluten-free pretzels, how about popcorn? How about nuts? How about uh, some cereals like Czech cereals that you can make your own Czech mix with or yogurts or cheese? Um, so those types of things that are already gluten-free and available at regular cost versus replacing those with the more expensive high-end type of products. Patients often talk about having other sensitivities to things like corn and dairy and soy. Do you find that in the patients you see and how do you counsel them? The one thing that's probably most common is probably lactose intolerance because of the damage done to, to the villi. So sometimes there is a temporary lactose intolerance, so milk may be an issue. Here again, I really have to emphasize the importance of follow-up care. Um, many patients think they have these additional uh, intolerances, but it turns out that their celiac disease is not well controlled. So they're still having difficulties with the diet and they're pulling out all these other foods trying to feel better when in fact it's just the fact that they have not had time to heal, their gut is still damaged, and they're still not doing um, the gluten-free diet correctly. Again, back to the need for follow-up and for a follow-up visit to the dietitian. So we know that you are not only following the diet correctly, but that you're actually healing, the numbers are coming down, the gut is healing. After that, um, again, it is possible. I don't see it as frequently. Um, there are other reasons for these intolerance, like small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, some other conditions that, again, need to be discussed with a physician or a dietitian. Thank you. For parents who really want to encourage healthy eating habits in their children, what advice do you have for them about trying to not focus too much on the gluten-free cookies or cupcakes or donuts. Mm -hmm. Again, the whole family has to eat healthy. 
so the whole family has to buy in. Everybody has to be eating the same way. So everybody has to be um, in the family eating healthier, eating better. So, and I, and I often ask, how often did you give the child a cupcake before they were diagnosed with celiac disease? So again, if, if it's not a daily thing, then suddenly with diagnosis, they shouldn't be offering um, cupcakes every day just because they're diagnosed. So again, how often did you have desserts prior to the diagnosis? Uh, but again, the whole family has to buy into it, and they all have to be eating this way, not just the person with, with celiac disease. So if everybody's eating healthy, everybody's on the same page, again, the child just accepts that as part of um, a normal eating habit. You know, you bring up such an interesting point about the whole family being involved, and I know some families struggle with the decision on whether they should make their home entirely gluten-free or not and try to have a shared kitchen when mm -hmm. maybe only some of the family members have celiac disease. What do you advise parents to think about? My only caution for that, and the only reason I don't recommend an entire household go gluten-free is what we just talked about, is the cost. It is just too expensive to have the entire family eating a $6 loaf of gluten-free bread when it is totally unnecessary. If the child is very, very small, two, three-year-olds that um, are, are diagnosed at a very young age where they do like to eat what's on mom's plate or they do want to share what brother's having, the benefit may be something something there to go generally most gluten-free with meals and snacks. But as they get older, there's really no reason uh, that they should all be eating the gluten-free uh, gluten products. Again, it's just the cost. Certainly the taste, texture, availability is acceptable for other family members to do it. For example, I tell the story on my family all the time that they wanted waffles for breakfast. I didn't have my usual Bisquick on hand, but I had the gluten-free Bisquick. So unbeknownst to them, I just made the gluten-free waffles. They did not know the difference. They, they, all they said was, can we have more? And trust me, they're not polite people. These are not polite people. So they never knew the taste difference. However, there was a significant cost difference between those two products. So yes, time and effort and energy makes it much easier just to all go um, gluten-free as far as making the pancakes or waffles, but the cost is going to be an issue. So that's what I ask families to, to think about. The other thing is the child is growing up in a world of wheat. Again, two sides of that coin. They like to have one place that the child can go and feel safe and not have to worry. But they're going to go out into the world of wheat. So they're going to go play at friend's house. They're going to go uh, with groups out, out and uh, have, have fun activities. They need to navigate that world. And so giving them the tools, giving them uh, the tools to read the food labels. And I encourage the families to have them involved with label reading as soon as they can read. That should be the first word that they learn to read is wheat. Um, and have them involved with reading those labels because that's that's the situation they're going to face. So they should be more comfortable in dealing with that space. Do you have advice for parents about avoiding cross-contamination in their own kitchen then if they are, if it is a shared kitchen? Good cleaning. Always make the gluten-free item first. So start with the gluten-free sandwich or pasta, whatever you're making first, then move on to the sandwiches for the, the rest of the family. Things like ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, if you use the squeeze containers instead of the, the jar where you know family members double dip and put breadcrumbs right back in that mayonnaise jar, 
Um, I do recommend a separate toaster. You know, they should have their own toaster so the toasters don't um, con contaminate. But thorough cleaning and washing um, of, of the equipment. Sometimes it's just easier to have maybe a green spatula and that, you know, is the spatula or the spoon or the utensil that I'm going to use for the gluten-free foods. So you're not wondering which spoon you put into what pot, right. um, that type of thing. I've also heard that colanders might be a good thing to have a separate version of because those tiny holes just like to hold on to gluten. They, they, they do. And it's, it's an inexpensive thing to add, you know, so certainly that would be um, um, an additional thought that if, if they would like that. Pam, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Again, the need for follow-up is so important. The need to visit with a knowledgeable gastroenterologist, the need for follow-up with a dietitian to make sure the diet um, is covering all the nutritional basis, that the, diet, the child's growing and, and doing well. Uh, any other nutritional concerns can be addressed. So you do need that good contact with a knowledgeable dietitian. Well, thank you, Pam Curitan, for speaking with us today. I know I learned a lot, and I hope our listeners did as well. Thank you for asking me. Thank you so much, Pam, for all of that wonderful information. I learned so much, and I will definitely think critically about the products that I choose to eat for my gluten-free diet and for my son. And, you know, it just goes back to reminding us how important the natural gluten-free diet is and how we just have to constantly be thinking about every bite of food that goes into our mouth. I hope that you all enjoyed listening to the podcast today, and we will talk to you again soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.